Good morning, church. Good morning. We are glad that you are all here with us this morning. As you'll notice, I am not Adam. He's the tall, good-looking one. I'm the short, dumpy one. <laughs> so uh, I'm filling in for him this morning. But we are glad that you're all with us, both here in the auditorium and online. We are going to sing Christmas carols this morning. Is anybody in the mood for that? Okay, well, we're going to sing songs that I'm sure you've sung hundreds of times over the years that you could sing with your mind totally somewhere else. But let's sing them with our mind and our heart here this morning as we sing about our Savior who was born so many years ago. Would you stand with me as we begin to sing? And good morning. It's great to be here in God's house. It, it is great. We have visitors today. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to have visitors here. Excited to look out and see that we're, we're filling up a lot of the empty spaces. Thank you for the visitors doing that. And thank you for Dave filling in here and for Madeline, too. This young lady on this side is Madeline. For those of you who don't know, for those of you online, um, Adam and his family are in quarantine. They'll be back with us for Christmas Eve. But today they're, they're watching online. Hi, Adam. Okay. And family. And so, so anyway, it's great to have God provided with us, Dave, to be part of our congregation. And it's great to have Dave filling back. It's, 
to him it's like old times he's done this before and so to step in and do Christmas songs is great and great to have that opportunity as we as we proceed so the announcements to be to, to tell you is I want you guys to have a Merry Christmas but I want you to be here on Christmas Eve all right Christmas Eve six o'clock we'll have a candle lighting service Garrett and Ainsley are going to come light the, the last can this last purple candle in just a bit and then on Christmas Eve, we'll light the Christ candle, the center candle, and we'll all hold candles and sing. I think it's Silent Night, but that's the one that we'll sing. And it's a, it's a grand time to do that and, and enjoy that and encourage to come out for that. Be with your families. And on Sunday, come back and be with us. So thank you for doing that. We had a grand time last Sunday. It's great to fellowship with you guys. It's great to laugh with all of you. Uh, we, you know, it was our first annual snowball fight, I don't, you know, however you want to look at that. And so, so y- y- we had a good time. The, the kids got presents. We delivered the presents this week. Got to take a look at the, they actually took adults with me this year because the youth could not make it all at one time. So, but thankful for that experience and what we get to do ministry together as we do that, as we participate in the Lining and Christmas offering. We're not showing a movie today, but you can still give if you haven't given and encourage you to do so. So I want to pray. Um, I want to pray for a couple of things. I want to pray for, for our service today. I want, to, I want to pray for what's on your heart. Um, there are some people that I know of that are, that are not doing well, and I want to pray for them. Those are, that's my personal. You may have some people that you want to pray for in that same light. I also have pre- people that, that they know what Christmas is, but they don't know the Savior. And I want to pray that they might come to know the Savior before Christmas. and Because uh, I don't know when Christ is coming back. We want to pray for our, and I, I suspect that you all have somebody you want to pray for that needs to know Jesus as their Savior. I also want to, to pray for our disaster relief workers. That tornado ripped through. It's not front and center on the news, but down in Mayfield and in Kentucky, uh, all that they hear now is the chorus of chainsaws and equipment moving and and funerals etc so we want to we want to pray for them and we want to pray for the missionaries that we have been giving to support and the work that they're doing around the globe it's you know god just didn't here in carlinville god's someplace in east asia that i've never been to or don't even know exists and so it's we serve a wonderful god who can do that so if you would let's join in prayer Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne. Father, I have on my heart people that I want to pray for, for for their health condition. And Father, I pray that you would be with them. Father, for these people that are here, these people that are online with us, these people that will be online with us, Father, they have somebody that they're praying for for whatever reason. Father, I pray that you would step in there and they would see your hand at work in their requests. Father, for the people that I know of, Lord, that, that know of Christmas, celebrate Christmas, but do not know the Savior. Father, I pray that this week, Lord, somebody, even myself, might have an opportunity to share the Gospel with them, to share what Christmas is all about, that they might come to know Jesus as their Savior. For these people listening, for these people here, Father, I pray that they have somebody that they're praying for and Lord, that they would be able to rejoice as that person comes to, to, to accept you as Lord and Savior. 
Father, we pray for our disaster relief workers, for those working in, in the areas that were affected by the tornadoes last week in Arkansas and Kentucky, Tennessee. Father, I just pray that as they work, Lord, that you would give them safety in what they're doing. And Father, you would give them opportunity to share the gospel. And Father, they too might see someone come to know you even through this time of disaster. We pray for our missionaries that we, we are giving to support, Lord, for their work around the globe. Father, it, it is, it is, I don't understand it, but Father, you are here and you are there working in our congregation, in our midst, Father, today, and working in their midst at the very same time. Father, hearing prayer requests from countless other churches like ourselves who are gathered even at this very time, who are even praying at this very time, and you can sort them out. But not only can you sort them out, you can answer the prayers. Father, we give you the praise, we give you the thanks. We seek you out this morning as we worship through song, as we look into your word. In Jesus' name. Advent comes from the Latin word, which means coming or arrival. For centuries, the church has celebrated the four-week Advent season by lighting candles in a wreath and reflecting on the coming Jesus, on the coming of Jesus as told in Scripture. The circle of the wreath represents God's never-ending love for us. The evergreens represent Christ's gift of eternal life, and the candles announce Jesus' light of the world. The fourth week of Advent is the week of love. The verse tells us that Jesus came because God loves us so much and that he didn't want any of us to miss out on spending eternity or forever with him. All we have to do is believe that Jesus is the, God, is the son of God who came to save us from sin. God's love for us is one of the main themes of the Apostle John wrote about in the Bible. He tells us in another verse that the greatest love anyone can have is to give their life for others. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has none than this, to lay down one life for one's friends. He also tells us we are to love one another because love comes from God. In 1 John 4, 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the, word, the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they do not believe in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And that was John 3, 16 through 19. So let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus, who came because you love us so much and want to spend forever with us. Help us to believe that Jesus came to save us from sin and help show your love to one another. Amen.
Thank you for that. Would you stand again if you're able with us and sing uh, Angel, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
that again that Gloria right and hold that out yeah that I, I as Dave says that it, I, I'm sitting here I have to take a breath while we're singing that I'm thinking I think you're supposed to be able to do that all at one time but there's that's why I'm not leading music <laughs> so, so so you should be ever thankful that we have Dave here because that's that would have worked very pretty so we're in Matthew 2 we're going to continue the story we're talking about the prophecy, again, that Matthew introduces us to as we read through the, the, the Christmas story. It, you know, the, prophet, the, the scripture we're going to read, I've read this verse countless times, and it just really doesn't, it didn't really ring with me or take grip or a hook on me. But I hope that, it, that this time through, maybe, that, it, that it really grabs you and you understand why Why it grabbed Matthew? I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's one of those things. Matthew, we, Holy Spirit, do we really got to put that in there? And I don't think that's the way that... I, I think he just really embodied what he put in there and the passion with which he... and the reason why he put it here. So we're going to read Matthew 2.15 and we're going to see at the end of this an Old Testament quote. So Matthew 2.15. So you can follow along your Bibles. We're going to read Matthew... And uh, we'll also look up this Old Testament quote. If you've got the Bible app, it's actually in there too for all of you to look at and add your notes to. Here we read Matthew 2.15. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, this is, we followed the Christmas story. We've had the birth of Christ. We've had the visit of the Magi, which wasn't probably on the day that he was born, uh, by the fact that, that what, we, what, what's, what we're going to read after this is that Herod then seeks to kill all the children under the age of two. And he actually does that. So this is the, the verse that we're going to read there. And out of Egypt I called my son. Now that's an Old Testament quote. At the time it wasn't an Old Testament quote. It was, it was from the prophets. That's how... Matthew looked at it. He didn't have an Old Testament and a New Testament. Little did he know that he was contributing to the New Testament. So as he writes, as he's telling the story, this verse, this Old Testament quote, 
and it's just part of a verse, comes out to him with meaning. So what prophet spoke this? What prophet spoke this? If you have a study Bible, it will tell you. If you read along with the, in the, in the um, Bible app, you'll also see. It comes from Hosea, but I'm going to tell you this that it's also a quote from Numbers 24. Depending on how good your, how extensive your study Bible is, it actually comes out of Numbers 24.8. That same wording is there. And in that, it is when Balaam is speaking to Balak when the Israelites have just recent, the book of Numbers, right, is when they're wandering around in the wilderness after they've come up to Kadesh Barnea. God wanted them to go into the land, they thought they were they were convinced by the ten that they couldn't win with God, so they were destined to wander around that generation in the wilderness. And this is part of that story when Balaam delivers the prophecy to Balak, and he recites this, and it's fresh, right? Because they just came out of Egypt. Now we're going to read it out of Hosea eleven one. Hosea eleven one is where this quote is is really rings. And you see the, the connection between the two. And that this is the prophet. When Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So that's the verse that we believe that he's quoting. That's the verse that most likely your, your reference Bible is pointing to. So Hosea 11.1. 1. What's the context of that verse? Because that in Matthew, all we get is that little line, out of Egypt, he called. And so... What's the context of that? Now, Hosea was a prophet to the northern kingdom. This is before they, they fall to Assyria and get carried away. Uh, and so this is, God has sent Hosea to speak to that nation so that they might repent. The unfortunate part is they didn't repent. They continued on in their idolatry. So he was a prophet to the northern kingdom, somewhere in that range from 753 to 722, and the kingdom fell in 721 and was carried away. One of the, the unique things about Hosea is when we read through the book of Hosea that we open up with Hosea's marriage. And it's not a very good marriage. She is unfaithful. Matter of fact, he, at the end, he, he buys her back as a slave. Now the story is, as, as Hosea has this marriage, it is representative of the relationship that God has with His people. God has a relationship with the Israelites. It is a marriage relationship. We have a marriage relationship. That's how the New Testament describes it. But the Israelites were unfaithful. They went and chased after everything but God Himself. And so that's the representation, and we see that working through. We, it's a sad situation, but yet it is, it is, we can understand that. We see marriages where people are not faithful. We're looking sometimes at our relationship with Christ, unfortunately, when we see that. We, we say, what a shame, but then oftentimes we replicate that in our relationship with God. And the idea is that we do not do that. That's why Hosea was sent. So we see that going on. Now, God had called, Egypt, called the Israelites out of where? Out of Egypt. He had a purpose for them. And they had not fulfilled. If you read the rest of chapter 11, you'll see how that God mentions, I, call, I called, the, called you out. 
but yet they, they, they never quite accomplished what God had desired for them to accomplish. And so that's the context with which it is. It's, and the 11th chapter, as a matter of fact, if you read the whole structure of Hosea, is what they call the redemption phase. The redemption phase of Hosea is in the 11th chapter and several other chapters, but that's the 11th chapter is part of that. So let's go back into Matthew and read that Old Testament quote in its context as Matthew uses it, as he tells us the story. So in Matthew 2, 13, the, the Magi have come, they, are, they have left, they have gone, they have been told to go another way. And so this is what we read in the 13th verse. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. Don't you love that? Angel speaks. God speaks to Joseph through an angel. And what does Joseph do? He does it. Isn't that amazing? I'd love to do that myself sometimes, right? When God speaks to me, I need to do, I need to be a Joseph. I need to hear it, not ask questions, just do it. And what does Joseph do? Hey, Mary, God told us we need to go to Egypt. Let's pack up what we can. What we can carry, we're not taking the sofa with us, right? And we're, gonna, we're moving to Egypt. We're out in Egypt. I don't know. We're just going to Egypt. God told us to do that. Why? Because Herod's going to seek for the child's life. But we're going we're gonna to move. And he does it. So let's continue in the 15th verse. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now you're going to read, continue to read that, but not right now. Right? But you continue to read that story. And guess what? God speaks to Joseph again. And what does Joseph do? Exactly what God tells him to do. Go back there. It's, you know, and so we see that pattern, and it's a pattern that we as, we, as we look at this guy that doesn't seem to say much and doesn't get all the attention that Mary does, he is our role model. Because when God speaks, He does it. When God spoke, hey, you're concerned about what to do with Mary? This is what you do with Mary. He did it. When God speaks, you need to go to Egypt. He, he's on the road. He doesn't, he doesn't wait. He just gets up, gets on the road and goes. When God tells him to go back, He does that. So, here's where I want to get into though is a connection between that out of Egypt I called my son. Why did Matthew quote that? What's the significance of that Old Testament quote? Excuse me. What's the significance of that Old Testament quote in the story, in the midst of the story of the birth of our Savior? What's the connection point? So when we read the story, the story has impact because Egypt... The most notable time of, that, that we read about Egypt is when is in the end of the book of Genesis. In the, book, in the end of the book of Genesis, we read the story about the patriarchs, and we read about the last one, Joseph, who ends up, and Jacob's his father, Israel is his father, and Joseph ends up in Egypt. Now, he didn't, he didn't want to end up in Egypt, 
His brothers intended to, for him to die in a pit, but he got sold off and ended up as a slave in Egypt. And through a series of events, which are amazing how God orchestrates things, he becomes second in power to Pharaoh. And it's at a time that they are in, that there's a famine across the land. God had given a vision to Pharaoh that Joseph interpreted, and then Joseph carried out the plan so they would have grain throughout the lean times. And so when we read, how did, how did Israel, how did the nation end up in Egypt in the first place? It's because God was providing protection for the nation. God was providing protection for the nation. He, they were in famine. God prepares a way through Joseph, and eventually his family comes and stands before Joseph. Doesn't realize who he is until he reveals himself. But God had a plan. God sent Joseph there, and then the family, so they would have protection. Now we read in Matthew, we read the story, the beautiful story of the birth of our Savior. Then we read of the Magi coming and bringing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And it's a wonderful story. If we read back in Luke, we see the shepherds coming. Beautiful story, the birth of our Savior. It's unexpected that God would send His Son as a babe, but that's exactly what He does. And we love the Christmas story and what goes on in the Christmas story as we read the encounter there. And as we're closing with this beautiful vision, this vision here that we look at in the manger scene of of the, the wise man of the Magi gathered around, it takes a turn. And we find out, we discover a little bit more about the character of Herod. Herod is insecure in in his throne. So insecure that he's afraid of a less than two-year-old baby. I don't know if you heard, but we have babies in our audience today. You all should be afraid. (laughs) Right? I'm just saying. They're under two. You should be afraid of the babies. And so Herod's so afraid of the baby, he's going to take the baby's life. And so, what does God do? He sends an angel to speak to Joseph to go to Egypt for protection. You see the parallel that we have there? Now that's a neat parallel. I love that God... Because guess what? There are times in my life when God has protected me. When God has put me someplace out of the way so that I wasn't in the path of destruction. So that I didn't suffer the consequences of whatever famine or whatever it might have been that was coming my way. God has provided a way of protection. God does that. If I, if I allow you to reflect for a minute, if I ask you to reflect for a moment, you can think of the very times in your own life when you have had God protect you. There are times when you may not have even been aware of it at the time, but looking back, you are aware that God did something in your life to protect you from the harm that might have been, that may have been aimed for you, as it was with Herod with the baby Jesus. God is our great protector. 
God is our shield. God is our fortress. We see that in the, in the story of Israel. We see that in the story of the birth of Christ. And we see that in our own story. So when we have a time of trouble, when we're afraid of babies that are less than two years old, or whatever else that we fear, where do we need to go for our protection? Who needs to be our rock and our fortress? It needs, it needs to be Christ needs to be Christ. So the, the, next par, the next parallel or the next connection that I want to see is the, 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 the pinnacle story in the Old Testament is what? It's what happened after they had been in Egypt for a very long time. And they went in, as, in, in Egypt as welcome guests of Pharaoh and of Joseph. I mean, it was his family. Pharaoh, Pharaoh was thankful for all that Joseph had done. His nation wouldn't be the nation it was if it hadn't been for Joseph being able to interpret the dream and then to, to work out the, the, the intricacies that that dream warned them of so his nation was prepared for the famine. So when Joseph's family comes, they're welcome. They settle in the land of Goshen. That Pharaoh dies. In the changeover, the next Pharaoh wasn't as welcoming because they had multiplied in the land. And they made them slaves. So it started out as so wonderful a story turned sideways. And the people that had been adored were now despised. And they were now held in slavery. And we read in the, in, in the book of Exodus about the birth of Moses and how God used Moses to deliver His people. You're, you're picturing it in your mind right now, I think. If I'm, reading, if I'm reading your mind properly. You're picturing Moses and the Israelites standing at the edge of the Red Sea with Pharaoh and his army in pursuit. And it doesn't look very good. What looked like, what looks so promising, doesn't look so promising at this moment because it looks like they're going to go back into slavery and the water is parted and they walk across on dry land and the water swallow up the enemy. And it's a deliverance from bondage which sets the tone for the Israelites from that point on. It is the point that they go back that they see that God has worked in their lives to bring them out of bondage. And to provide for them freedom. It's the picture that we understand in our own salvation. We try to understand that. We were once slaves and in bondage to what? To sin. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, what happens? The waters part. We are now freed from that which held us in bondage. And that's sin. And so when I look at the story that it references, out of Egypt I called my son. Whether I read Hosea or Numbers, it is representative of the story of God delivering His people from bondage in Egypt. The parting of the Red Sea, the wandering in the wilderness, the giving of the law, and the planning and the giving to them of the promised land, which they now dwelt in, as Hosea spoke to them. And then we see, we read the story that Matthew is trying to tell, that Matthew is succeeding in telling to us. He tells us of the birth of our Savior. He tells us of the visit of the Magi to confirm that this was the Messiah. 
And then he tells us that they have to flee to Egypt. And he uses that quote out of Egypt. He called my son. What did Jesus come to do? To be cute and lie in a manger? To heal a few people along the way? To give sight to the blind? Make the lame walk? He came to do what? To do more than Moses could do. Moses could deliver them from a physical bondage. Jesus Christ came, born in a manger, this little baby. Doesn't seem possible, but Matthew's telling the story. He knows the end of the story. He's going to write the end of the story. That babe grows up, has a ministry, and he dies on the cross. And that's not the end. He rises from the grave on the third day. Jesus Christ did what Moses could not do. He freed us from our bondage to sin and gives to us the promise of eternal life. I love that connection. I love that connection as I'm reading through that's kind of the, the centerpiece of what I think Matthew's speaking to us is not only the protection, but it's the deliverance from bondage. Why do I celebrate Christmas? Because Jesus sent his son who would deliver me and anybody else in this room, anybody else online, from our bondage if we just call on Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If we repent and turn from our sins, Jesus does that. And so when I look at that verse out of Egypt, it's not just, oh, there's another Old Testament verse he's stuck in there. It has a wealth, a breadth and depth of meaning because of what it represents. Jesus Christ, I called my son out of Egypt. The deliverer. The great deliverer. And as we, I want to bring one more thing in. Because when God called Israel out of Egypt, and He brought them into the promised land, He brought them there to settle into the promised land and not to tell anybody how they got there. Not to tell anybody about the God that they served. While these people around them, while the surrounding nations worshipped candles and wood and stones that cannot answer. You put a stone in your pocket and you can talk to it all you want. It's not going to talk back. It's not going to give you any rain. Nothing. You can put a hairy old rabbit's foot in your, in your pocket and you can carry it until the hair falls off of it. That's all it's going to do. It's just going to get dirty. It's just going to help collect lint in your pocket. Because it cannot, will not, ever do anything. The nation of Israel, as God brought them out, was to be a light to the nations, to show the nations the one true God, the God that they did not worship. And it's amazing how God brought Joseph to Egypt and Joseph was a light. God brought Daniel to Babylon and Daniel was a light. So was Ezekiel. We see that happening. The nation of Israel as they came. And that's the story in the heart of Hosea. Is they, not, they are not that light that they should have been. They followed after the other empty gods. 
And when I read the story about the birth of Christ, particularly in the book of John, what does it say about Jesus Christ? Light came in to the darkness. The light of man shining in the darkness. That's the significance of our candlelight service, right? Is that Jesus Christ came to be the light. And as I look through this, this quote, as I read this story about how they fled to Egypt, and Matthew gives us that, out of Egypt I called my son, and you're wondering about the significance of it. And then you think of all the significance of Egypt and the story of Israel, the, the, the nation that was waiting for the Messiah, the, the promised Messiah. This promised Messiah would come, and there's a tie-in, how God protects us, how God redeems us, how God delivers us, and how God sent Jesus to be the light to the world. And we, too, are to be lights. We, too, are to be lights. Here's our action steps for this weekend. Because again, I hope that, that when you read that, I hope that when you read that 15th verse and you read that out of Egypt, that your face lights up. The hair on the back of your neck stands up and you think about what exactly Matthew thought about as he pens that in, as the Holy Spirit leads him to remember that. Has God protected you? Has God protected you? This last phrase is key. In protection to use you. Think about that. God provided protection for the Israelites as He carried them to the land of Goshen. Did God know that they would soon one day be slaves? Did God know that He would part the water? Did God know that He was going to deliver the nation? He knew all of that. God brought them to this place. Protected them. Because He had a purpose for them to be a light and a witness to the world. When you think about the times that God has protected you, it's not because you're special. You are special. You are special because He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. The most precious commodity in all of the universe was shed for the redemption of your life. But when God protects you, He has a purpose that you might be used to glorify His name and to be a light to the world. To be a light to the world. So has God protected you in preparation to use you. Think about that. Why did God send Jesus so we'd have a reason to wrap things up and put underneath of a green old tree? So you could get something that you probably don't need? He sent His Son not for this year's Christmas gift. Not for the hot buy item that everybody has to have. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to deliver us from the penalty of our sin. There is no greater gift. And as we share with one another, as we share with the world outside about Christmas, they need to be reminded, we need to be reminded, I need to be reminded why God sent His Son. It wasn't just to be cute in a manger. It was to redeem you. And the last question I want you to think about, and I want you to share that, right? Don't keep that to yourself. God gave you that knowledge so you could share it. 
God gave you that knowledge that you could share. And the last thing, Israel was called to be a light. To have a relationship with God that the nations around them would see and they'd want the same thing. Jesus came to be light in the darkness. He comes, He lives through us. Jesus continued. He lives through us. Guess what? He wants to be in you and I. He wants to be a light in the darkness because the darkness has not gone away. Have you read the news or watched the, the, the you lived outside of here? It is a dark and broken world. And it is in need of light. Jesus designed you and saved you so that he might be working through you to continue through you the ministry of bringing light to the world. Are you a light? I've got lights at time that need recharged. They need new batteries. I'm going to ask you how bright is your light? Because it needs... If it's going to pierce this darkness, it needs to be at its brightest. And I'm asking you to be your brightest, to be what God has called you to be. We're going to, we're going to stand here. Dave's going to come back up. We're going to do the invitation. And as we've done at this invitation time, is for us to respond, for me, for you to respond to whatever God might be speaking to you, God may be calling you to save you. You may not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today might be the day that you need to say, I knew about baby Jesus, but I've not become His. I don't have eternal life. I don't, I wanna, maybe I have questions. Maybe I haven't explained it enough, or maybe you have some question, what, what happens? You come and ask Him. I'll answer it. Somebody else here, we're just waiting to answer that question because we want to rejoice with you as you accept Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. Call you brother or sister. Maybe today you, are, you just need to pray. Uh, you're going to sit down with your family, some of whom do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. You're going to have Christmas with them. It's going to be an opportunity because you don't always get together. And, and so you want to pray for that interaction that somehow something can be said, that you might have that time, that alone time with that person, that you might be able to share the Gospel. So maybe today you want to pray for that. Maybe you have God has worked in your heart. It's not even connected to what we talked about this morning. But God has worked in your heart and you want to come and pray. You might want to come and share what God is doing in your life. Let's stand and let's sing.
Let's pray. Father, it is good to celebrate your gift. We read that verse for God so you so loved the world, us, that you sent your son. And Father, we, we celebrate the sending of your son so that we might have eternal life. Father, I want to pray for those that do not know you. Father, pray that they're they would be under a conviction to ask the questions, to seek out what it means to be saved, to have that assurance of salvation. Father, I pray that as we go out of this place, Lord, help us to be a light to a world of darkness. In Jesus' name, Amen. So here's the reading for this week. Out of 1 Kings 19 and 20, Jeremiah, Acts, and Matthew. So I encourage you to read those. And then I'll see you when? Friday. Friday, Christmas Eve. That's my intention, okay? I know some of the visitors won't come back, but you're welcome to. We loved having you today, and thank you.